you're listening to the Party in My Plants podcast, and you're about to hear what happens when you accidentally combine a plant-based diet with a paleo diet to purposefully feel freaking awesome. Welcome to the Party in My Plants podcast, where I make healthy living as fun as a party so you'll, you know, actually want to do it and then actually feel, look, and live your best. I'm your host, Talia Pollock. Now let's get this party started. This episode is enthusiastically sponsored by a product I couldn't swear by more if I tried. Four Sigmatic Mushrooms. I didn't say swear about more. I said swear by. I couldn't swear by the magic of mushrooms more if I tried. I originally tried a packet of Four Sigmatic Mushroom Tea in a glass of hot water because, well, I was gifted a free single packet of Four Sigmatic Mushroom Tea by a friend. I had no idea what it did or what was going to happen to me. And I was skeptical because this whole mushroom thing is trendy right now. And I'm always skeptical of trendy things. Read, I avoid trendy things to not be trendy. You know what I mean? But anyway, I drank the shrooms and I felt truly awesome. It's hard to explain. I just felt more awesome than before I drank it. Since then, I've ordered it and consumed about two packets of shrooms a day and I can't get enough. I am telling you, these mushrooms are magic. Although they don't make me hallucinate in a bathtub like my ex-boyfriend's famous magic mushroom experience, which honestly, he seemed way too proud of in hindsight. But hear this, I wasn't hallucinating the magical effects of these shrooms. They are ultra scientifically proven to boost immunity and gut health. Yes, please. And thank you. And the four different shrooms that Four Sigmatic uses most, hence the four in Four Sigmatic. Eh? I just got that too. Well, like three minutes ago. But they all do different epic things for your body. Rishi helps you relax. Cordyceps give you non-caffeinated energy for sports and stuff. Lion's mane, which does not come from my lion's mane, boosts your brain. That one's easy to remember. And chaga is, yeah, yeah, good for immunity issues, like when you're traveling or feeling run down and or both. Okay, enough blabbering from me. I just finished a mushroom matcha latte. Oh, yeah, Four Sigmatic has mushroom matcha powder. If I could just stop blabbering for a damn second, I could tell you that because you listen to this podcast, thank you for that, you can save 15% off any and all Four Sigmatic shroom stuff you want to buy off their site, Four Sigmatic, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com using code PARTYINMYPLANTS to save that 15%, baby. Man, maybe I had way too much mushroom matcha. Okay, onward to the show. My guest today is a Canadian born and raised former unhealthy traditional pastry chef turned very healthy plant-based chef. Lauren Lobley is a whiz at making traditionally unhealthy food remarkably healthy food. And while experimenting in the kitchen and with her body, she realized one day, oh wait, I think I'm a plant-based paleo person. That's not a direct quote, but it's a true thing. Lauren went accidentally paleo and wrote a whole book about it. It's called The Accidental Paleo. 
It's really cool. Also cool is that Lauren runs and operates a yoga studio in Malibu, California with her ultra-fit husband, Ted, where Lauren provides the freshly baked vegan gluten-free granola, and Ted teaches the best class on this side of Malibu. Talk about a power couple. Now, let's talk to Lauren. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the Party in My Plants podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am very happy to have you here because, you know, you have a very, very interesting story. And usually I just have people go right into the meat or the lentils of their chat, you know, what they're here to provide information about. But you have a great story. And I'd love to, you know, allow you to just share parts of your story, however you want to start, as it relates to your culinary and health journey. I mean, it's just crazy. I had a 180 degree, you know, change from what you started doing and where you are now. And I'll let you fill in the gaps there. Oh, sure. So um, I actually, basically until I was about 25, all I did was eat processed food, uh, (laughs) pizza, hamburgers, hot dogs, uh, sugar, sugar, sugar. My poor mother, she could not get me to eat anything. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, I would only eat something green if it was smothered in some kind of bottled, really gross dressing. So I moved from Montreal in Canada to Los Angeles in 2008, and I was a huge milk fan. Like I had milk. <laughs> Got <and> milk. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I was like the ad. <laughs> and seriously, <laughs> I had milk and cookies three times a day. Oh and my I had god! Cereal three times a day. Oh yeah, three was- times a day. Yeah, I'm not sure how I'm alive <laughs> right now, to be honest with you, or how wow. I grew. I'm not really how sure. I grew. What, well, I thought milk makes your bones strong. It's how you become a big grown-up. <laughs> oh, dear. Don't go there yet. Um, yeah, so I bought into that wow. because it was milk was a vehicle for cookies and cereal for me. And I moved to L.A., and within about a month, I had gained 10 pounds hmm. out of nowhere. And nothing in my diet had changed my country had changed. I moved from Canada to the States. The United States will do it to you. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Apparently. But like a few months later, I got a cold and I was like, you know, I'm just going to stop having milk and cheese. I don't know where I got the insight for that because I never had that before. Hmm. And I thought I'm just, it's really mucusy. So why don't I just stop that for a little bit? And within a week, I'd lost all of the weight that I had gained when I moved. Whoa. And I, yeah. And that was my reaction. I was like, well, that's, crazy. There's got to be something there. And so the rabbit hole, I I went down the rabbit hole of looking at food as medicine and going down, you know, where does my food come from? What am I putting in my body? And I didn't like what I started to read and see. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, and this was now 10 years ago, and that's where the journey began. And slowly but surely I took dairy out which was like unheard of because apart from the milk, I also was a huge fan of cheese. Mm-hmm. It's like, and yeah, yeah, and I took that out, and then I started slowly taking meats out, and and then here I am today, where my favorite thing is to roast cauliflower and broccoli and just eat it off the pan. Wow, shows that anything is possible. You can change those taste buds. <laughs> yeah. You certainly can. Yeah. Well, speaking of changing taste buds, I mean, part of your story also involves you being a professional pastry chef. 
Yes, that is true. When did that come into play? So I um, always liked baking. I mean, I've had a sweet tooth since I was basically born. (laughs) And um, that's my mom. So my mother's Italian. My grandmother, Nana Rita, used to cook all the time. My mother learned how to cook, not because she liked it, but because she had to feed her three children and her husband and herself. And so she never really imparted the um, love of cooking onto me, but she did the love of baking. And we used to bake all the time. We were the house on the street that you wanted to come to for the holidays because my mother, I'm not even joking, usually had like 15 different varieties of cookies and treats. I love it. Baking's my fave. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I just loved that. And when, so I used to work for Lululemon, the yoga clothing, well, athletic apparel company. Mm And I used to bring baked goods all the time into the store. And then um, when I moved from Montreal to Los Angeles with the company, I would bake Mm. for everybody again. And I just slowly became known as the baker. Mm -hmm. And as I was transitioning out of the company, I was like, you know, the next step just seems to be pastry school. So Hmm. I hung up my yoga pants and I put (laughs) on my chef coat and I went up to pastry school and um, I was a huge fan of uh, Ace of Cakes, the cake show with Duff uh, <laughs> Goldman. And I ended up coming back to L.A. after pastry school. I went to pastry school in Vancouver, Canada. Oh. And I got a job with Duff Goldman as uh, his head baker. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well done. Your mom must have been proud. <laughs> she well, she didn't know who he was, and you know, as far as she was concerned, she was still the head baker of, of the family. So, <laughs> well, but I think she was just happy for me. That's amazing! What an accomplishment! Yeah, yeah it was pretty awesome. But we're not talking like gluten free, vegan kind of pastries here, right? We're talking the the real shebang. <laughs> The yeah, traditional no, shebang. <laughs> exactly. It was full of eggs and gluten and sugar and all the things that I don't eat anymore. So at the time you were eating all those things, right? And then how did you, you know, this was before you realized, is this before you took out the milk and like had your rabbit hole epiphanies of healthy living or like how did this pastry life fit into the rest of the story? And how long were you a pastry chef? Well, that's interesting because I started the journey to health two years before pastry school. So it was actually like a conflict for me the entire time that I was in school. Yeah, it was. And, and, but I have a very strong sweet tooth. I still do. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm just going to look the other way for now for the purposes of education. I'm going to learn how to do French pastries because you do them with butter and dairy and all that stuff. And man, I felt horrible in culinary school. I really did because I was eating all the stuff I was making, uh, which was not vegan and not gluten-free. So yes, there was a conflict there. And in culinary school is actually when I started thinking, hey, if I can take milk and dairy and meats and all of that out of my diet, I can probably find a way to do it with pastries too. Like for some reason it it did not compute that huh. that you could do that with baking. I thought it was just like in general that's the way I would eat vegetarian almost I wasn't quite vegan then. I'm all, I'm always like teetering on the edge of vegetarian vegan. I'm like I'd say 99% vegan. Mm-hmm. But then I was just vegetarian and um 
yeah, I just, I didn't put the two together. I was like, oh, I could just like occasionally have a baked good. Because in your mind, baked goods were only made with butter, eggs, all the, um, you know, the processed sugar and that kind of stuff. That's what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> that's exactly. so fascinating. No, like that's how deeply rooted it was wow. in me. It, yeah, it just... I'm not proud to admit that, but that's true. Like, that's no, just it's, the way it happens. I'm sure other people think that too, to be honest. So, you know, let it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. It's like the truth hour with Lauren here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then what happened? I mean, did you quit the job? I mean, did you, was that hard? Like, did you just stop eating the food? Did you just like start sneaking in almond milk in place of the cow milk? Like, what happened when you sort of, got out of that mindset of like, baked goods are baked goods, maybe I can make them healthier? Uh, experimentation started happening. So I um, got my first ever two uh, vegan gluten-free baking books. I got while I was in culinary school and they're Baby Cakes mm -hmm. NYC. I have that. <laughs> Love those two books. So I basically studied those books as if they were textbooks in, <laughs> uh, in school. And I <laughs> probably made every single recipe from both of those books. Wow. And so I was working as a pastry chef in Los Angeles, but I wasn't eating any of the production. None of it. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. How? I mean, that's crazy. It's kind of easy because by the time I left, I was making 2,700 cakes a week. What? And 2,700 cakes a week? Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, it's Cake oh. like so each cake has like a layer of like three to let's say nine layers of cake. So oh so twenty seven hundred represents each layer, but you still have to bake each individual cake in its own individual pan yeah. in order to create those layers. So twenty seven hundred cakes, like individual cakes, translated probably to like I don't know, like fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred wow. full legit cakes. Oh yeah. My so God. And it was all cakes and cupcakes, another like two, about 2,000 to 2,500 cupcakes. So it was easy for me not to eat those things because that was production that I needed to, for, you know. <laughs> yeah, for, you'd have to work more hours. <laughs> exactly. So all the while I was working there, I was coming home and experimenting with other vegan gluten-free products. And my husband and I own a yoga studio in Malibu called oh. Five Point Yoga. Cool. And I started selling my vegan gluten-free baked goods oh. at the front desk. And people were going nuts. Like I would make vegan gluten-free donuts and they'd be sold out in a few days. And um, so that's how it started on the path to vegan and gluten-free baking, which is what I do exclusively now. Wow. That's yeah. so fascinating. Yeah, it's been quite the journey. Yeah. And with your diet too, I know you've had quite the journey, right? You've done just about like every diet out there. You were carnivore, lots and lots and lots of dairy, um, vegan, vegetarian, lacto-ovo, pescatarian, paleo. Like how, how has that been? Just trying on different diets. Why have you done that? I think once I made that initial discovery in 2008 that your food could have such an effect on your body. I mean, it makes so much sense, right? Like we go to the doctor and we're like, give us a pill, give us a, or even if you take herbal supplements, it goes give into our mouth. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Everything that we get from the doctor 
except for if it's a cream, but it goes into your mouth and it goes through your system. Mm -hmm. So to think that there's no connection then also with food, it goes through the same hole, your mouth, and down the same system, your digestive system. So it was really in that initial realization in 2008 that food is medicine. That's why I started experimenting. And the thing that I've learned with nutrition, I actually did, I'm a certified holistic health coach as well. Mm. I did the uh, certification with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition about five years ago. Nice. And what I've learned with nutrition is that my husband always says this, I'm going to borrow this term from him. We are an experiment of one. So the thing is, there are so many different ways you can go with your nutrition, but an exclusively vegan diet may not work for you always. It may work for Mm -hmm. you for six months, a year, five years, 10 years, and then stop working for you. Or it may sort of work for you, but you need to have the odd egg here and there. Mm -hmm. Same goes for the paleo diet, carnivore. Like For every single diet, I really feel like every person has to try on the food for size and see how their body reacts. Do you have more energy or less energy, bloating or no bloating? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I have just been experimenting, I guess, for the last decade with what works best for my body. And where have you landed? Right now, I have landed (laughs) really and truly um, at vegetarian paleo. Can you describe the paleo diet a little bit for people like myself and others that might not know much more than just the stereotype, which is eat meat? (laughs) Right. Absolutely. So the general nuts and bolts of paleo is that we eat like our ancestors ate before agriculture. So what did we eat? We hunted for meat. We gathered nuts and seeds and fruits and vegetables. And that's what we ate. Now, as you know, it's becoming more and more progressive. And now there are different arms of paleo. Lots of paleo people will eat butter when we didn't necessarily have that back then. There are lots of paleo products. If you just go down the aisles at your health food store, you'll see a bunch of like paleo granola, paleo Mm -hmm. bread. Those are processed things that are made with ingredients that are thought to be paleo. So, but they're not you know, they're not whole foods in their original form, right? The way that we used to eat before there was agriculture. What's the point? Why, why are people like, why is it attractive to people to eat like we ate before agriculture? I think there are many answers to that. But one of the reasons I think is just because of the different, um, the different little bacteria that we have, the microbiome that we have in our guts it's easier for us. It's the thinking is it's Mm. easier for us to digest foods that have been around for a longer period of time. Mm. So grains are relatively new legumes. The jury's out, as I mentioned, are (laughs) relatively new. So when you eat those foods, your system can't digest them as well. And then there's the lectin thing that's at play as well. So if you're ingesting these like little poisons, it's causing trouble in your gut. So I think one of the reasons to eat paleo and why people eat that way is uh, for the ease of digestion. Fascinating. And if you, right. And then if you, ha- if you can digest food easily, mm-hmm. you reserve energy. Your digestive yeah. system has like takes up a lot of energy. That's why people, you know, 
<laughs> there's a stereotypical let's pop open a button after Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever meal be, and, and fall asleep on the couch because your body literally can't do anything else but digest all that food. Totally. Yes. Well, that's the argument about raw food, how raw food's awesome because it's our, it, you don't even need to really digest it because it's packed with its own enzymes. So that's why raw people are like, you'll have an abundance of energy, which right. I was raw for a bit. And I did experience that abundance of energy, but then my body started craving cooked food and some fish and eggs and, you know, as the, yeah. the journey goes. <laughs> well, interestingly too, raw food actually does take a lot of energy to digest but then I like on the other end of things, like once it's actually digested, it doesn't take a lot. And then the benefits that you get from all of those enzymes and those vitamins and nutrients kind of outweighs that. Gotcha. So you will find some people have, and I actually have a hard time sometimes with raw vegetables if I eat too much. Oh, now I do. It's weird. At the time when I was fully raw, I was like chilling. But now, don't give me raw broccoli or I'll be sick for like four days. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so sad. If you just steam that a little bit and put some garlic on it, totally fine. Okay. So the paleo thing. So how did you decide... I'm going to be a hybrid of paleo, which is like meat focused and, <laughs> you know, and vegan or vegetarian or plant-based. Like, how did you marry the two? So it happened accidentally, which is why I called my cookbook The Accidental Paleo, because I actually ha- did not realize that I was eating basically paleo. Oh. I was still, yeah. So I still had sun legumes in my diet and like the odd grains here and there, but I stopped eating bread just kind of organically. I didn't say I'm going to not eat bread anymore. I just basically stopped eating it except for like, you know, sometimes I'd have some toast when I was out for breakfast or something, maybe a few times a year. And so I didn't actually make the decision. I just accidentally fell into it. And I was like, oh my God, is this the thing? Can you be vegetarian or plant-based paleo? You can because that's the way I eat. Wow. And that's, yeah. So that's how it happened. And so. I just was listening to my body and my body, I would ingest certain things like anything super refined, white sugar, flowers, meat. I always had a hard time with, even when I was a carnivore, I just, I never digested it very well. And, um, I just listened to my body and my body basically guided me toward this. So what does that mean your diet really looks like? If someone listening is like, wow, that sounds really interesting, this accidental paleo or this hybrid of plant-based and paleo, what does that look like to eat in a day-to-day life or a week-to-week life? Tons of vegetables. That's basically my mainstay. Down with Um, that. (laughs) Yeah. So I used to be like the queen of breakfast, like pancakes and waffles and, you know, bacon and eggs when I was still eating that. Now... I mix things up. So as, whereas before you had to stick to breakfast foods for breakfast. Now I'm like, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'll have, you know, roasted vegetables for breakfast. Whoa. Yeah. So like, what a rebel. I know I'm (laughs) such a rebel. (laughs) And so there's a recipe in there for, um, roasted broccoli, uh, with pecans that like, I'll literally just eat a whole bowl of that for breakfast. You can put an egg on top of that. If you're a vegetarian and you're not vegan, an egg or two on top of that. There's a sweet potato pizza crust that, that I have in there as a breakfast pizza that I'll put an egg on top and eat that for breakfast. You know, you don't have to be such a rebel. You can Mm -hmm. still have, you know, like a protein shake for breakfast or, um, I don't know, some kind of like coconut milk yogurt with, 
a bunch of different nuts and seeds and maybe like a little bit of fruit on top. And then for lunch and dinner, it's like lots of salads, again, lots of roasted vegetables. And then I like to manipulate a lot of um, nuts to make sauces Mm -hmm. and, you know, different cheeses because I really do miss cheese. So, you know, there's a, I think there's a recipe in there for Brazil nut Parmesan. So you can just mix up Brazil nuts and garlic and sea salt and drizzle that on top of the salad and you've got protein from the nuts and a little bit of like an additional layer of flavor to put on a salad or a pizza or whatever. So there's lots of manipulating vegetables. (laughs) Manipulating vegetables. Totally. (laughs) Sounds naughty. (laughs) It does sound naughty. (laughs) It does. It does. So what kind of role does fruit play? I know you said a little bit of fruit here or there. Do you not really eat a ton of fruit? I don't eat a ton of fruit, but for different reasons. For me, I have to watch my sugar intake, not necessarily because it's not paleo, but just my stomach doesn't do very well with it. Uh, We have traditionally been hunting and gathering fruit. So I would just say with fruit, you don't want to have that much of it. The truth of the matter is the sugar from the fruit still does hit your system the way, you know, a can of soda or something would. But fruit has all the extra benefits of the fiber and the nutrients and the minerals and all of those things, which make it a lot better for you. So I don't actually think fruit is bad for you, but I do think that you don't want to have too much fruit, Mm -hmm. you know, where you'd have like, say, five to 10 servings of vegetables in a day. Maybe you have like two, maximum three servings of fruit. Mm. Gotcha, I would say. And yeah. so does your husband and your family eat this way as well? They do. Um, I have a two-year-old daughter, and she's never had any meat, and she's never had any dairy. She wow. hadn't had any gluten either, and I tried to give her um, some bread. Um, oh, dear, there's an earthquake right now. What? Yep. Hang on. Oh my god, I don't hear anything. Are is it really intense where you are? Um, it's uh it's shaking the house. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, we're good. <laughs> wow. We survived yeah. an earthquake together. That's we quite something. <laughs> we're bonded. Oh my god. Are you good? <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm good. Okay. Got my first one here. So Yeah. Um so I do I feed my husband doesn't cook. I mean, okay, that's not fair. He knows how to put a salad together and he knows how to roast vegetables. Nice. Um, I'm working on teaching him how to make the curry that I have in the book that's really easy. But otherwise, I'm the main chef. So as the main chef, I get to decide what my family eats and they eat the way I eat. So I have a two-year-old daughter. She's never had any meat. She's never had any dairy. And she actually hasn't had any gluten. And I've I actually tried to give her a piece of toast at one point because we were out for brunch and she goes through these like hunger strikes where I'm like, Oh my God, like I just want her to eat something. So I was like, here, have a piece of toast. And she like wants nothing to do with it. (sighs) So yeah. So she, but she loves eggs. So Mm. every single day she has eggs and then I'll give her like coconut yogurt. She loves the curry and all, she loves the recipes that I have in the book. And my husband is the same way. And actually, you should mention he's an endurance athlete. It's oh. actually, yeah, yeah, he does. He did a lot of adventure racing. He does a lot of triathlons, and he's doing his first Ironman in August. Wow! Yeah, 
and he is a vegetarian paleo as well. Wow. That's fascinating. That's amazing. Yeah. So he yeah. doesn't go through any extra effort to get protein or anything like that? No. I mean, he he drinks more protein shakes than the average person, I would say. Like, okay. He's down to like one a day, <laughs> but at one point he was doing two a day. Mm-hmm. But honestly, on the days that he's training harder, he may have like a few more eggs or like one extra protein shake because that is what feels good to him. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, no. Otherwise, he doesn't really have to increase it very much. And I actually have a bunch of vegan, vegan actually, athletes who don't really adjust their protein levels. Like they've they've gotten to this place with their training and their bodies that they're just like so plugged into the mothership. It's crazy. That's amazing. Well, speaking of athletes, Tony Horton, the P90X dude, who for those who don't know him by name, I know him by name. I actually hung out with him at the Omega Institute for a weekend a few years ago. I'm a huge fan. But he wrote the intro to your book. He did. Oh, my God. I flipped out when I saw that. How do you know Tony? (laughs) So uh, my husband and I own a, a retreat company called Adventure Yoga Retreats. And my husband started it about 20 years ago. And I think it was, he did a yoga surfing retreat to Costa Rica. I think it was that one or it was one in Italy. I can't remember which one it was, but Tony went on the retreat and he and my husband became really close friends. And so when my husband and I met each other, my husband was like, I go to this workout every Monday night at my friend Tony's house. You have to come. And so I show up at oh my God. Tony Horton's house and they're all going through this plyometrics workout. I was like, yes. oh my God, I'm going to die. And I could not walk the next day. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's how I was introduced to Tony. And then Ted, my husband and Tony started doing uh, an annual skiing yoga P90X retreat to Jackson Hole every year. This oh. last year, yeah, the, this last year was. I've heard, I've seen. I mean, I'm a huge fan, so I know he is an avid skier, and he always goes out there. I didn't realize that your husband was involved. Oh yeah, That's yeah, they do it together. Oh my god, Ted and Tony's excellent adventure. T-T. That's name. oh, is that really the name? I, I'm, that's the name of the emails. I'm not sure if that's the that's official so name. That's so cute. But. That is awesome. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So if you have Tony endorsing your plant-based paleoism, you know, that says something. <laughs> totally. And it's funny because, you know, Tony, he's been vegan before. Mm-hmm. And he's, I don't know if he's ever been vegetarian, but I know he's been vegan before. And he recently tried it again. And now he's back eating meat. But I have a Christmas dinner every year and he and his lovely wife come over for dinner every year. And I'm always nervous because I don't serve meat. I, mm. I mean, I just cook the way I cook. And every time he's like, this is amazing. So it's in, like truly he's, he's endorsing it from actually having tried it year after year um, and really not being able to believe his taste buds, which makes me really proud. That's incredible. And that is a perfect segue into a question that I had, which is you talk about tricking the palate. Like, how do you do that? How do you get, because I know that there are people listening right now that are like, yeah, right. My husband Mm -hmm. would never say this is delicious. If I served him Christmas dinner without me, I could never fool him. I could never (laughs) please him without the me. And what you just said is probably blowing minds across the nation right now. So for people that are like, how can you give like (laughs) some answers, some tips, some advice? 
Absolutely. So let's see. One of the Christmas dinners I served, and actually this recipe is in the book too, it's a spaghetti squash pasta with lentil meatballs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's no meat in there. So lentils are a really great legume. And My for fave, people who are, I love them. They're, so, they're people, the easiest to digest. Is that like a fact? Because it is for me. Is that like a scientific fact? <laughs> no, I don't. I think it just, again, it depends on your system. For oh, okay. you, it just might be easier uh, to digest. I, I agree that they work well for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a blanket truth, but we could we could pretend. That well, it is. we're two people, and it's both for a hundred percent of us. So that so I mean yes. that's pretty so high percentage. <laughs> totally, let's just make that a fact. <laughs> okay, cool. So Sorry. so, so space lentils, squash lentil meatballs. Yep. Yeah. So lentils have a really meaty flavor, actually, mm-hmm. and a really meaty texture. So you can manipulate those instead of ground beef or ground turkey or ground chicken or whatever, you can um, use the lentils instead and you can make meatballs. And I'm actually working on a recipe to make uh, hot dogs with lentils. So stay tuned for that. I I am tuned because that sounds fun and funny and weird. I know. I know. But so lentils are a really good one. You can also use them to make... um, burger patties as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I use a lot of black beans, white beans, and chickpeas to make burger patties. Also, if you're like, okay, stop with the legumes. All right, I'll stop with the legumes. <laughs> you, can also, <laughs> you can also use mushrooms oh. to make. Mm-hmm. So like I- Yeah, the shrooms, right. We don't eat shrooms in my home because my fiance hates them so much. So I always forget about mushrooms because I've I never make them because he will not even look at them. I know. My Sucks. husband is the same way. He, really? He like makes the gag look oh, just yeah. like- I had actually put in our wedding vows that I would stop trying to hide mushrooms in his- um, <laughs> food because I just I would try every which way and he'd I'd just like he'd eat something and I'd just look at him and he'd be like huh are there mushrooms in here I'd be like oh how do you know oh my god wow so okay but Sneaky. if you're if you're a household that likes mushrooms um you can use mushrooms in place of meat there's um I think there's uh are there tacos in here yeah there's um mushroom tacos in this mm-hmm. book I also just tested a recipe for beet mushroom burgers. So you can use that. And then you can also, as I mentioned, use nuts to make sauces. So cashews are a great nut. Macadamia nuts are a great nut to actually make really creamy sauces. And I've made, there's this Alfredo sauce is actually in the book that's made with macadamia nuts Mm. that is super creamy. And anytime anybody has it, they're like, you are lying. There is dairy in here. Really? Yeah. Wow. There is no dairy. And the thing, because it's made with nuts, it's really, it's filled with protein and fat. So it's really filling. Mm -hmm. That's another idea. Okay. So basically for the meat eaters, you should try introducing them to nut-based dishes, shroom-based dishes, and legumes. Those are going to be people's best bets. So far, yes. Okay. And and notice I'm not saying soy because I'm actually not a huge I'm not a huge fan of soy. Mm-hmm. Um, just there's too much I don't know about it. So I try to avoid it as much as I can. I actually don't love the flavor of it. And I've just recently discovered a product that's called hemp tofu. I've heard of that, but I don't know much about it. It's pretty good. I actually made um, like a hemp tofu scramble the other morning with black olives and 
sweet potatoes and parsley. That was a great breakfast scramble. And it was really good. Cool. That sounds yeah. good. Are yeah. there in general any like easy swaps that you could offer for people listening? Like if somebody's going on Pinterest and they're just scrolling around and they see something that sounds pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. but they're like, ooh, I want to make this, you know, planty paleo-y. Are there any like go-to swaps that you have for um, ingredients? Well, it depends. Again, let's say what it is. Like say if it's lasagna, um, if you want to make it gluten-free, try using zucchini as the noodles instead or butternut squash as the noodles instead. You could use eggplant as the noodles instead. So think of think of like thinking outside the box. Like mm-hmm. even just think of the shape. Okay. The 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 lasagna noodle is flat. What what vegetable could I use for that? Potatoes. You could do that. Yeah. And then for meat, again, uh, ground meats, you could think legumes, specifically lentils Mm -hmm. and mushrooms. You could think of it that way. And then for sauces, I mean, if it's a plain tomato sauce, then you're fine. But if it's like a creamy sauce, then think about those cashews and those macadamia nuts really are going to become your best friend. That's so helpful. Yeah. And then, um, so I'm Italian. My mother's Italian and I grew up eating meatballs and sausages and lots of cheeses. I can tell. We're, we're big on the meatballs in this conversation and lasagna oh and hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love Italian food. Um, but so I often, like I miss the Parmesan cheese. So uh, as I mentioned, there's there's a way to make Parmesan cheese with nuts. You just take whatever nut actually, yeah. almond or pine nut or pecan. Oh, I and love it with it pecan. Oh, yeah. And just throw it in a food processor with garlic and sea salt and you're good to go. Good to go. Do you use nutritional yeast ever? You know, I have a love-hate relationship with that as well. I moved away from that because I find the flavor is too domineering. Mm. So when I put it in something, like I immediately can taste the nutritional yeast over everything else. Like your husband and mushrooms. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I I just am like, ah, oh, there's got to be a way to find a different flavor, like a different way. The nutritional yeast is used to kind of manipulate this like cheesy flavor. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to get that flavor without it. So I use it sparingly. Sometimes you really need it, but I think there are ways to get flavor without it too. Yeah. Well, what about baking? I mean, this whole thing started with you being a pastry chef. How do you bake now? I mean, paleo by definition, not by definition, I don't know the definition, but by (laughs) what I know about paleo is no like uh, flowers. So how are you baking? What sweeteners are you using? What, What are the most common things that you bake? What are you using in place of flour? Talk to me about what you bake. Well, so here's where paleo becomes progressive. So there is actually a product from um, Bob's Red Mills called Paleo Flour. Is it just almond meal? It's almond flour, coconut flour, and two other flours that I am forgetting right now. Mm-hmm. But that's not like a one-to-one ratio with regular flour, right? Doesn't it change? No. Yeah, it's like pretty uh, dense. Yeah. So, so when you're cooking vegan and gluten-free cooking in general, or sorry, baking, it's not a one for one type situation. It really requires a lot of experimenting Mm -hmm. and, um, failing (laughs) before you get a success. And then, so I would highly advise with, with cooking savory stuff, you know, go nuts with those recipes. You, you add and take away whatever you feel like you want to, you're not going to mess up the dish, but with baking vegan, gluten-free and, and paleo, you really have to pay attention because 
there's a very careful chemistry between the flowers that are chosen and the uh, ratio of, of that to the liquid stuff yeah. that goes into it. So if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, this sounds fascinating. I didn't know you could combine these two different worlds, but maybe I don't need to go like full throttle. I, I don't really know. Do you think that there's any benefit to like dabbling? I mean, I know that you've tried on like every diet for size, but do you ever feel like it's cool to just live like a labelless life and just kind of like dabble with like your paleo muffins, but also eat like vegan, blah, 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 blah. Like, what do you think about that? If someone doesn't like need to go all in, do you think there's benefit to just dabbling? Absolutely, I do. Okay. I mean, when my parents come to visit from Montreal, they are full on carnivores, eating dairy, all of that stuff, but they eat like I eat when they're here and they like it. And some, and then they go home and they might have like a meatless Monday one night inspired mm. by something they had here. And, and it works for them because the truth is, I mean, I don't think we need to be eating however you decide to eat. There's no judgment. You yes. eat, you eat how you want to eat and how, what, whatever makes you feel the best. That's how you should be eating. Yes. And but sometimes I think we may overdo it on whatever it is. We may even overdo it on the broccoli. I mean, if you eat too much broccoli, that's going to be not a good situation if you have anybody else in the house. I've seen you know? seen people do overdo it with uh, carrots and sweet potato. My mom, I was just home for this weekend, and my mom was telling my fiance this story about how my favorite baby food growing up was like pureed sweet potatoes, and I actually turned orange. And she took me to the <gasps> I was going to say the vet. She took me to the pediatrician. <laughs> I'm not a dog, and um, they were like, "Dude, she ate so many sweet potatoes. Calm down." <laughs> Oh my gosh, I that's know. great. It turned into but an yes. Oompa Loompa. <laughs> you did. Only it was orange instead of purple. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So you can overdo anything. You can overdo anything. So I think it's to your body's benefit to give it a break from certain foods that you eat all the time. So if you eat meat all the time, then consider having uh, a meal without it. Your your digestive system is probably going to thank you. If you have kids or you yourself are like, you know, I'm going to try having my next baked good be dairy-free and gluten-free and paleo, and it might make you feel better. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I'd say is if you are listening and you have any kind of symptom from like rheumatoid arthritis to just general joint pain or mental fogginess or, you know, bloating or belching or anything where you're like, uh, maybe I could start tweaking things that then I would encourage you to listen to your body because that's your body's way of telling you that something is out of balance. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that, you know, vegetarian paleo is the way to go, but if you haven't tried it, it might be time to try that or whatever else is calling you. Yeah. But but it's time to make a little bit of a switch so that you can give your body a fighting chance to be living at its most optimal level. I love that. I love that. And just to reiterate one more time, in yes. a very clear-cut way, the difference between just regular vegetarian or plant-based and plant-based paleo is what? <laughs> it's the consumption of the amount of carbohydrates, refined grains, refined sugars, um, and legumes. Gotcha. So you don't do quinoa. Is that correct? No, there's a little, there's one recipe, one or two recipes in this book that uh, calls for a little bit of quinoa, but I basically eat quinoa. I don't know, once a month or once every few months. Uh -huh. So it's, 
you know, as a regular vegetarian vegan, you can be really unhealthy as a vegetarian oh, yeah. or vegan, right? I mean, oh, you can yeah. just be eating like Oreos. corn chips and or yeah, yeah, Oreos and stuff like that. And there's no cap on the amount of carbohydrates in the form of refined white sugars and breads and legumes and uh, grains. In the vegetarian paleo way, you have a little bit of legumes and a little bit maybe of grains, but your diet is basically comprised of vegetables. In the vegetarian one, it's also eggs, um, a little bit of fruit, lots of nuts, lots of seeds, uh, and that's basically it. Coconut, mm-hmm. lots of avocado for healthy fats. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for clarifying. Have you heard of anybody that has struggles digesting nuts? Because I'm one of those people. And so you're talking about all the nut stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if I could really do that. I think my stomach would go nuts. (laughs) Nice. I thought of that on the spot. Thank you very much. That was very good. Thank you. If I was there with you, I would high five you (laughs) for sure. Maybe even high 10. So I have that issue too when I eat too many nuts in a day or in a sitting. Okay. So what I would suggest with nuts, and you're absolutely right, nuts are hard to digest. I actually wouldn't make them a huge part of every meal or every day. I would make them, yes, a good source of protein, but I would say like a quarter of a cup in one sitting and no more than half a cup in a day of nuts. Yeah. Even almond flour, I find a little challenging. Yeah, I actually uh, ate a lot of almonds and recently found out I'm allergic to almonds. Wow. So there goes Bob's Red Mill Paleo mix for you. Yeah. But thankfully, I've experimented with other flowers, so I'm okay. <laughs> but, but you know, wow. pay attention to those things. And maybe for you, it's almonds are really the problem. And maybe pecans are like totally fine. How did you find out you were allergic? I actually took a uh, the IgG food allergy test where they test you for allergies but also sensitivities. Oh, is that something you do at the doctor? Is that one of the ones you get in the mail? That is one you can do at your functional medicine doctor's office or if you have a nutritionist or herbalist. Or I don't know that they offer that at a traditional Western medicine practice. They might. Mm-hmm. I know that they do offer food allergy testing at traditional practices, but I'm not sure about this particular one. That's fascinating. I kind of want to do that. It has its ups and downs because on the one hand, it's a snapshot of your blood right? in one point in time. So it may mean like in my, I don't think I'm going to be allergic to almonds for the rest of my life. I think maybe for now I just need to cool it for like- Maybe you overdid know. it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, for like a year or something and then I'll- try to go back to it. But to circle back to your question about nuts, I would just like pay attention to the portion sizes Mm -hmm. and then to the specific nuts. Cause maybe it's not all nuts that are a problem. Maybe it's just certain ones. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Great. Awesome. Okay. Well, a few final personal plant questions for you and then I'll let you go. Sure. Okay. What is your favorite plant party restaurant? Oh, dear. Or I'll say planty paleo restaurant. (laughs) I am a huge Cafe Gratitude. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Like huge. And their sister, uh, Gracias Madre. Oh, Gracias Madre is the best. Yeah. And can I have a runner up? Please. Crossroads Kitchen. I don't think I've been there, but I've heard about it a lot. Where is it in LA? It's um, Melrose and Sweetser. 
and it's fine dining plant-based. Okay. Definitely haven't been there, but I think we thought about going there. Fine dining. That's awesome. I'll have to go next time I'm in LA. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Great. What is your favorite plant to eat? Oh, I have to pick one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with broccoli. Okay. Cooked, roasted. Roasted with just sea salt, olive oil. Sea salt, olive oil, or avocado oil and um, pecan. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. What is your most used kitchen tool? E- it's a toss up between my food processor and my high powered blender. Yep. Sames. Sames. Yeah. What do you use your food processor for? I make a lot of pesto. Uh-huh. I make lots of nut butters. Yep. Um, What's your favorite nut butter combo to make? I made homemade hazelnut spread. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, and actually the recipe's in the book. It is so good because, I mean, I mean, my favorite thing to eat when I was little was a peanut butter and Nutella oh, sandwich. So good. And I could just like, and I would often do this, just go and take a spoon of Nutella out of the jar and just eat it there. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I can't do that now. That's, that's ridiculous. But I found a way to make my own hazelnut spread with no milk and like, I don't know, almost none of the sugar. And it's amazing. Do you take spoons out of that? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> that's oh, awesome. Yeah. I have a whole yeah. bag of, of almonds on my counter right now next to my food processor, like ready to be whipped into almond butter. Oh, yeah. So, and then next I'll do the hazelnut. Mm, that sounds so good. So pestos, nut butters. Do you use it for like your lentil meat uh, meatballs and stuff? Indeed. Yeah. Lentil meatballs and veggie burgers. Yeah. I mean, the food processor is so clutch. I think oh, it's an I'm underrated sure. but very essential kitchen tool. Oh, absolutely. And my, my mother actually got one for a wedding gift in 1970 and she still has it at home. So when I go to Montreal, she's used it like six times in her life. It is so (laughs) retro and I break it out every time and I use it every single day. Oh, I love it. That's cool. My mom and dad had one from their wedding and they did the same thing. They actually use it a lot. And last Thanksgiving, my mom dropped it and it <gasps> broke. I'm surprised it didn't like ruin the floor because um, those were so heavy and they were so I sad. Know. So they had to get a new one. <laughs> oh, but then you know what? I, the new ones are not the same. I know. The old ones were like real like pieces of appliance, real appliances. Totally. <laughs> or, like cars. <laughs> Oh, that's so sad. I almost I just cried. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll send her your condolences to her. Send her yeah, your condolences. <laughs> yeah. So what is a book that's really inspired you in some awesome way? Ooh, lots of books. But the one of my favorite books of all time was Shantaram. And of course, I'm forgetting the author's name. But it was just... I'm also a writer. So oh. I am really moved by people who can express themselves in the most eloquent ways to the point where I have to reread a sentence or a paragraph over and over again, because I'm just so like blown away by how they've been able to capture the essence of a moment or a thought. And in that book, Shantaram, I'm going to look up the author for you. Shantaram. I've never heard of it. Oh, I love that book. spiritual. It's very, it is spiritual. It's, it's interesting Gregory David Roberts. That's who it's by. Thank you. It's it's about, it sounds crazy, but it's about this um, Australian escaped convict who escapes to Bombay, to the slums of India. And the story that ensues from that is just like, 
I can't even describe to you. Wow. All right, cool. I'm adding it to my Amazon. <laughs> Add it. It's full of life lessons and rich cool. prose and just it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. You're well, speaking welcome. of books, let's talk about yours. Where should people go to, well, I guess get your book and why don't you tell everyone what your book is and yeah, sorry. That was a, sure. not even a good question. How about tell everyone about your book, The Accidental Paleo? Absolutely. So The Accidental Paleo, it's easy vegetarian recipes for a paleo lifestyle. And it's filled with 85 vegetarian paleo recipes that are easy to make that the whole family will enjoy. Including Tony Horton. <laughs> Including Tony Horton. Sorry, I'm like obsessed with him. Totally. He's the best. Totally. I say, my fiance and I say to each other all the time, do your best and forget the rest. Oh my God, I'm going to tell him that. <laughs> Please do. He's going to love that. Um, yeah, so it's Tony Horton approved. Um, also two-year-old approved, my okay, daughter good. and my Again, husband. the whole range of folks here. Totally. And, and you know, and it's, I want to emphasize the word easy because a lot of us are really busy, whether yes. you have kids or not, a job or not, our lives are busy and it shouldn't take a long time to make healthy food. Yeah. Because if it does, you really won't do it. You're not going to do it. Yeah. So I really think that healthy food should be accessible, easy and delicious. And my particular passion is to make healthy food taste good. And as a recovering slash still sugar addict, that's the palette that I created these recipes from. So I feel very good about them being accessible to all palettes. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So where should people go to stay in touch with you, learn more about your book? I mean, we know how to purchase a book and I'll link all that in the show notes, but uh, where should peeps go to stay in touch with you? So you can find me on Instagram. I'm constantly recipe testing. Uh, I uh, post under my name, Lauren Lobley. I'm on also on Twitter under the same name. I'm also on Facebook. They're the Accidental Paleo on Facebook. And I blog uh, food for life, so uh, articles and oh, cool. food recipes nice. on delectableyou.com. And I also post cooking videos on YouTube every Ooh. week, every Wednesday, actually. And my uh, YouTube channel is, again, it's my name. It's Lauren Lobley. Awesome. Do you yeah. film them yourself? My husband is my camera guy. He's really good. That's amazing. Um, yeah. My so, camera guy is my tripod. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I know. you're lucky. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, well, we have two cameras. so Oh, have, excuse yeah. me. High production. I know, right? Camera guy one is tripod. <laughs> camera guy two is tech. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, I cannot wait to link all that in the show notes for people to see. And thank you so much for coming on the show and enlightening us about this very interesting way of eating that you accidentally discovered. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. I hope this served as a little reminder that A, earthquakes are real. B, there's no one-size-fits-all way to eat. And C, you can overdo anything, even good things like nuts. Go easy on the nuts, friends. Know what would be awesomely nuts? If you'd leave a review for my podcast in iTunes. It's actually nuts how helpful iTunes reviews are at ranking podcasts higher so more people can find my show and more cool guests can want to be on it. 
So yeah, please, pretty please take a minute and leave a review in iTunes. Cashew are the best. For the show notes from this episode with Lauren, plus a heck of a lot more stuff that takes the hell out of healthy eating, head to partyinmyplants.com slash 90.